Welcome to the Microsoft Industry Experiences Team Podcast. I'm your host, David Starr, and in this series, you will hear from leaders across various industries discussing the impact of digital disruption and innovation, sharing how they've used Azure to transform their business. You can find our team online at aka.ms slash indxp or on Twitter at industryxp. Kelly Gage is Chief Product Officer at Commerce Tools. He came to Commerce Tools from Oracle, where he led product management for their microservices initiatives. Kelly is the author of three books about e-commerce. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's good to be here. Yeah, I think we're going to have a really great conversation about some of the emerging trends in retail. To do that, can you first tell us a little bit about Commerce Tools and how you impact the retail space? Sure. So Commerce Tools was actually founded in 2005 as the first Hybris SI. Hybris was the e-commerce platform that SAP bought a few years ago. So if you hear of uh, SAP Commerce, that offering, that is actually Hybris behind the scenes. And Dirk, the CEO of Commerce Tools and the co-founder, was friends with those folks and ended up doing uh, the first Hybris implementations in Europe. And in 2011, Dirk saw the commerce platform space as a very active participant and thought it was time to go build a new commerce platform from scratch. So he raised some money and launched that uh, product in 2013 as the world's first cloud-native microservices-backed API-first commerce platform. And our product is, uh, is actually very much aligned with Azure and the other public clouds where you log in, uh, you create an account, you create a project, and you get a big list of APIs that you can consume, almost like Lego blocks. Uh, so you can build your solution uh, with these little pieces. So we offer APIs for shopping cart, for inventory, for pricing, and they're individually consumable. So you can just go buy a shopping cart. You can just go buy a product catalog. Uh, you can buy all of those pieces. Uh, the company today is about 200 people, and in the past probably 18 months or so, we've really found our market fit. We've been selling to the top uh, enterprises out there, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a good time to be part of the company. I, I think we've really made it. That's fantastic. So you mentioned something that sounded like multi-cloud. What role does Azure play in your solution? Uh, we event out to Azure, so in our platform, you can subscribe to events. Um, and events are very different from messages, right? In, in commerce platforms of the past, you used to do point-to-point messaging. Mm-hmm. And it was typically something like JMS, for example. And in our platform, you can actually subscribe to events. So we can push those events out to Azure Service Bus. And then from there, you can execute um, Azure Service Functions or any anything else within the whole Azure ecosystem because Azure is very event-based. So many of our customers implement all of their customizations through these events and then these um, functions. Um, And it's the same with um, customizations that are synchronous as well. So you can actually inject service functions from Azure directly into our platform. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then besides that, uh, we are planning on actually deploying our platform to Azure and supporting it as a full top-level cloud uh, not only w- would your front end and your customizations be in Azure, 
but the uh, underlying Commerce Tools platform itself would be within Azure as well. Does that mean I'd be able to go to the Azure Marketplace and just say, hey, I want a new instance of Commerce Tools? You don't really provision the software. It's, it's very API-based. So you would go provision an account, provision a project on our side, and we give you a URL, which is api.commercetools.com, and then we give you a project key. And then you can start making uh, requests against our APIs, either directly or through an SDK. Okay. Um, so we're available today. And does that mean you're multi-tenant right off the bat, or does each of your customers get its own sort of implementation? Uh, we're 100% multi-tenant. So we always have and always will be. That's a founding principle of our company. And it's something uh, we're very proud of. And there's so many benefits to that from a customer standpoint. Again, multi-tenancy is pretty new to the commerce platform space. Um, but by being multi-tenant as a platform company, we have exactly one version of our software to support, which makes support easier, it makes troubleshooting a lot easier. Everything is much easier. Where the legacy commerce platforms have 10, 15 old versions of their software that they all have to maintain and support. We have one software stack that we ha have to support and manage. So from an ops standpoint, it's much easier. You don't have a thousand environments to secure. And then from a cost standpoint for us, we're not standing up software. It's not like a ticket goes somewhere when somebody wants some capacity. It's a multi-tenant platform, so we just give them access and then we use Kubernetes to scale up and down the platform dynamically. So as our customers need more capacity, that's up to us as a vendor. We're just adding more capacity and removing it, sometimes on a second-by-second -second basis, uh, to meet that demand. Are you using the Azure Kubernetes service? Yes, and we've done full testing, works flawlessly. We're really happy with it. You mentioned when you and I last spoke that you guys do some internal proof of concepts. You guys do POCs with us for customers. So sometimes our prospects will want a demo or reference application. And that, that's pretty full stack. So that's our software, but it's also the customer's front ends as well. And then internally, we've done validation. So we know that it works. Azure works perfectly fine for us. And then for customers, when we when it comes time to do co-selling, we know who to call with in Microsoft to get us connections to the local sales teams. At least it helps you navigate Microsoft a little bit better. I'm glad to know at least you're getting the services you need from us. <laughs> what does being a Microsoft partner uh, mean for you? What has it meant so far? What we like about Microsoft is uh, you as a, as a software vendor can offer us and our customers a lot of support that other cloud vendors might not necessarily be able to. And for our ops team, I think we're pretty self-sufficient, but many of the organizations we're selling our uh, commerce platform into are fairly new to cloud, and they need hand-holding. They need a lot of professional services. They need support. They need an account team. They need architects to show up. And that's where Microsoft really has excelled to date, uh, is, is being able to offer that team of folks to come in and help us not only in the sale, but also after the sale occurs, making sure that they're successful. So that's uh, that's primarily why we're with Microsoft. And Azure is great. It's you know it's always a top-rated cloud platform. And now with Kubernetes support, it has all, all the checkboxes that uh, we and our customers need. So you've actually used Microsoft consulting services, it sounds like, to come in and help you build your solution? 
Um, we haven't personally. We've got a, a pretty crack team of Germans. They, they can figure this stuff out, and we haven't found it necessary yet on our side. But okay. from a customer standpoint, again, we're selling into these big enterprises who even just two years ago were very anti-cloud. And it seems that that, that opposition to cloud has really shifted in even just the past two years. So those folks are all now saying, well, I've got this big legacy on-prem footprint. What is this cloud thing? How do I start actually adopting it? And not just shifting VMs over, right? Because that was really the first wave of cloud adoption was just forklifting VMs from VMware into public cloud. But how do we use an event-based architecture? How do we do data streaming? Right? What does it mean to be truly cloud-native? And that's a very different, very different thing. Although I will say that in my experience, at least, virtual machine lifts are pretty much the most common thing that happened on a cloud platform. It's a first step for people. Agreed. It's a very good first step. Um, but once once those footprints are moved over, then the question is, well, how do we build our new applications? Right? How do we build them natively to fit inside of a container or not even use a container and go serverless completely? Right? How do we do that? And that's... Uh, I think where where you as Microsoft have a bring a lot of value to the table for us. Remember, we launched in 2013. We actually chose Rackspace as the first. It was back in you know 2011 when the platform was under development. You know, all, Rackspace was up there at the top, right, along with uh, with you and AWS and right. And Rackspace had a really good German presence, which is something that as a German company we really needed. Um, so we built the platform to be containerized uh, from the very beginning. Um, and we've deliberately tried to make sure everything fits inside of a container so that we do have that portability um, because uh, it's, just, it's an uncertain future out there. And that's why we're really happy to be able to support Azure now so easily because we can just move our workload over. But our customers will use uh, and do use I mean, just dozens and dozens of Azure services. Um, from DNS to load balancing, um, mobile app framework, um, the whole service bus, right, for all the inventing, uh, top to bottom, um, those front ends, those clients, uh, that custom code, that's very, very heavily dependent on the uh, whole cloud ecosystem on, on which is being built. There's a discussion right now about how in the last couple of years we went mobile first, right? And some organizations like manufacturing are talking Internet of Things first now. And another thing that people are starting to talk about is cloud first and then mobile. And I'm wondering what's your take on that? Um, yeah, I, I agree. So for deployment architecture, for, for application architecture and deployment architecture, it is absolutely a cloud first world. Um, no doubt about that today. Uh, and that's, again, a fairly recent development. Um, it's only been the past few years that uh, all the major clouds have really supported true cloud-first development, right? Not just in terms of VM support, but the whole stack from top to bottom. And then for clients, cl uh, mobile is absolutely the default. So in 2016, so even two, three years ago, the mobile versus desktop uh, traffic um, lines converged. Um, and we now see more, in the commerce space at least, we now see more mobile traffic than we did desktop traffic. And those lines crossed in 2016. So we're absolutely a mobile first company. And that's what we see our customers adopting as well, because that's where people are, are browsing and viewing. So it makes sense that, uh, that you're there.
let's make it fun for just a second. What big shifts or trends in retail are you seeing right now that you're getting really excited about? I'm cautiously getting excited about client telling. <laughs> cautiously. Uh, cautiously. Um, and there are two companies. There's New Store and there's Tulip. And people have put a lot of money to those companies, and they seem to be doing okay. The technology is phenomenal. And what excites me about it is, is if you go to a traditional store, like you physically walk to a retail store and want some support, the store associates typically have far less information than you do in your pocket. Right? You want to know the difference between two different styles of jeans. They don't know. Right? They'll tell you to read the label on the tag. <laughs> Right, the the physical retail store experience is still pretty antiquated, and that's where, as a vendor, I'm excited to see uh, other vendors making inroads into the space, giving folks iPads, giving them that Apple Store experience, but uh, in a traditional apparel store environment, for example. But we we really need to modernize that, and Tulip and New Store are are doing a good job of starting. Now they haven't been as successful as I had hoped. Um, and that's largely because those in-store teams within retails retailers, that's a different division. It's different from the more commerce-focused groups that we work with in the commerce platform space. But those in-store teams are are very slow and they're using pretty antiquated technology and it's hard for them to adopt these newer styles of technology. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I'm also pretty excited, just this is maybe more of a selfish thing, I'm sick of buying clothes that don't fit me. <laughs> <laughs> And there are a couple new startups, like one is called TrueFit, for example, and they're revolutionizing fit for clothing. So to be able to measure yourself and then shop by how something fits rather than just the label on the tag. I mean, I have things in my closet from a small to an extra large, and my wife is the same way. And it totally depends on the, the brand, the manufacturer, the style. You know, there's so many variables in clothing and how it fits, and I'm excited to see these vendors really tackle that problem. Cautiously optimistic they're going to make it, but it's still a little bit early for them. Sounds like the early steps of maybe I stand in front of my monitor and turn around 360 degrees and they just fit the clothes to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, now with uh, artificial um, or sorry, uh, augmented reality and virtual reality, you know, maybe we'll get to that point at some point here soon. Right. You could theoretically do that. Do you see a use case for augmented reality? I do. Um, so, but I think the devices have to get smaller. So right now, you you can't have these big. I have a Hololens and uh, from Microsoft, um, and that's a good three thousand dollars, and it's enormous. It looks like I'm a cyborg or something walking around with it on my head. But yeah. it's the power of a full gaming computer attached to your face, um, and its ability to overlay the virtual into the physical world is outstanding. And I could absolutely see a use case where you, you throw one of these on when you walk a car lot, you know, if you're at a car dealer, and you can search for products, refine, filter, um, you can view, uh, you know, the add-ons and, you know, maybe those get highlighted. I could see that. I could see walking through a mall and having virtual shopping tags hanging off of, of uh, displays, right, where you could click on something and get more information. But the, the devices have to shrink. Uh, and then I think there'll be a pretty uh, pretty good ecosystem that develops around it. This has been fantastic. I really appreciate you being on the show. But I think we're at time now. We're going to have to call it a day, I'm afraid. Well, thanks for having me. I've enjoyed our discussion. I have too very much. And you taught me a few things. I always appreciate that. Always happy to.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Microsoft Industry Experiences Team podcast, the show that explores how industry experts are transforming businesses with Azure. Visit our team at aka.ms slash indxp. And don't forget to join us for our next episode.